When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. You're listening to Let Him Cook Podcast, fueled by Cody Road in the Wild Rose Casino Studios. Nigel, I am recording this remotely. I'm not sure if you keep up on Iowa weather. A uh, bit of a snowstorm headed our way yeah. in the next 24 you guys hours. We get like it. six to eight inches of snow uh, in Des Moines, at least. So uh, everyone be safe. Roads are going to be a little dicey, especially if you're heading to the game uh, against Houston tomorrow. Uh, drive safe. Use precaution. Uh, guessing not not six to eight inches of snow in Louisiana. You guys, what, what's the temperature down there? Just so I can be jealous. Um, well, it, today is a is a worse weather day for us too. It's oh, just wow. rain, a lot of oh. rain. Okay. But um, geez, I'm still in Chicago weather. Uh, right now it's 56 drizzle, nothing crazy. High of 63, but it, this is still considered like really bad weather because like we're supposed to get really bad thunderstorms. I think like around midnight. So yeah, it's good. Hopefully, it's not a Hurricane Katrina part two. Knock on wood. But I was always told in central Louisiana, you can't even get a like drastic hurricane like that. So I, yeah. I'm not that worried. In, in a good sweet spot. Probably not getting a lot of a lot of snow this winter down there either. Yeah, I'm um, okay. We have a conference opener to talk about. Uh, didn't go the way Iowa State probably had hoped. Oklahoma wins 71 to 63. Um, one thing I found interesting about this game Going into it, the leading scores from each team both really struggled. Tame and Lipsy, one for 10 from the field, finished with four points. And their leading scorer, Otega Owe, didn't make a field goal, but he made eight free throws. So he finished with eight points. But I think that just kind of talks to, and that's something to kind of keep an eye on all year in the Big 12 and with Iowa State basketball, is more often than not, your number one option is going to be taken out of the game plan, so to speak. I mean, whoever is on the on the top of the scouting report, is going to get their best defender and it's going to probably have a tough night. Um, and then I think the difference was with the supporting cast. I think a lot of guys for Oklahoma kind of, you know, stood up and, and filled that role for the Sooners and Iowa state struggled. Um, I kind of the overall theme to this, I, I didn't know if it was so much Oklahoma's defense or Iowa state's offense. And the only reason I say that is, We've seen us score 100 points in the 90s, in the 80s against some of these smaller mid-major teams. But when we play Texas A&M or Virginia Tech or Oklahoma, we're struggling to get above 70 points. So do you think that's that's a cause for concern quite yet? Or do you think it's just, hey, Oklahoma has a really good defense and we had a bad shooting night? 
No, I think when you get into like the whole Lipsy had a bad day because he's at the top of the Sky Report, I think that's going to kind of be a common theme going forward, especially given the fact that when it comes to, yes, our players have changed and our roster has changed a lot since last year, our offensive philosophy hasn't really. And we all are not, we're not, this isn't news to anybody, but you know, Iowa State's offense can sometimes get really stagnant. You and I complained about it a lot last year when, when we have bad days offensively, it's bad. Like there's no getting around that. And I think this, given that we have a bit more offensive firepower this year, I feel like we need to find that. And I think, you know, having guys like Milan um, who didn't play, didn't have their best game, but, you know, still contributed. um, I think these are huge quote unquote legacy games for them. And when, you know, when those third, fourth options can't come together and, you know, find their rhythm and, and, get to scoring easily and early, I think you're just going to start off slow. I, I I was shocked at halftime to be only be down six. Yeah. It felt a lot worse than that. And I think that, you know, going forward, we just have to start out strong. And I don't think it's ever going to start with, oh, it's just offense, offense. Off. Like we still have to remain true to our identity, which is playing defense and letting offense translate from that defense. So I think whether you're at home or away, I think you always got to be, you know, kind of aware of that and try to just, to your best ability, play your brand of basketball. And I think Saturday we did not play our brand of basketball. And credit to Oklahoma because Iowa State's defense looked really good, I thought, you know, 90, 85% of the game. But Oklahoma was just so fundamentally sound with the basketball on offense. They would, I mean, the ball movement was great. And, I mean, they had a lot of open shots that just didn't go in, but they were finding the open guy often lots of times in the corner because of how hard Iowa State doubles or hedges or helps weak side. I mean, there's so much movement on defense for Iowa State that there's going to be open guys, but it usually takes a skip pass or a, a quick relay pass around the horn to get that ball to that guy. And Oklahoma was doing that. And some of that's just like that's how good the Big 12 is. I mean, you can play perfect defense and sometimes those offenses are going to play better offense and, and find open guys. Um, another, t- speaking of Iowa State's offense, just two concerns for me. I, I think the key to getting easy points for Iowa State is off turnovers and fast breaks. And Gilbert and Lipsy both kind of struggled this game. And I think, you know, it's easier to go straight to the rack when you're playing New Hampshire. And, you know, whoever that guy is probably isn't as physical and, and you're not going to get fouled as hard against a team like that but even if you're not going to make that shot you're probably going to get fouled and I thought there were times where we could have pushed the pace on a turnover or a fast break and we kind of you know we set the offense and that's fine except our half court offense like you said it, it can be stagnant at times so if there's going to be points to be had just go in you you just kind of got to be the aggressor in that situation go get them and then kind of speaking to Oklahoma if we if Iowa State has an open shot, and Momchilovich had open shots at times, those just have to go in. If we're going to win some of these road games, you have to hit your open shots. And they're not bunnies. These are 20 feet or, or three-point shot jump shots that he was taking. Um, but those have to go in if you're going to win in Norman. And here's my so thing with Milan. Just some tough breaks. Here's go my ahead. thing with Milan. We haven't had a, a player in recent history where who's taking those type of like Dirk Nowitzki shots that he takes. So I can't even like sometimes when right. I'm trying to watch, I don't know if it's a bad shot or not. Like, is that a right. shot 
he's taking because he knows he can make it and I just need to get used to that? Or is it actually just a bad shot and we should look for something else? Because it's like, I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Milan is more effective in the in the post-fade option or just the catch-and-shoot option, whether it's the corner or the wing? I think we he can hit both, and we've seen him hit both. I'd be more comfortable, at least for now, just catch-and-shoot. Yeah. And, and then if you're kind of cooking, if you're feeling it, then I think that's when you open up your low post game, those turnaround fades. I think that's when you kind of get into that bag. But if, if you're just trying to get a rhythm, I think catch and shoot, I, I basically any shooter ever. I, like catch and shoot is just the easiest shot to get your game kind of rolling on offense. So I think get that down first and then you open it up. Because like you said, I think we probably could get a better shot than a tough turnaround fade from a freshman. Mm-hmm um but I, like Oklahoma's defense they were solid like maybe not maybe that is the best shot we can get and I get that's not a huge high percentage shot but if he feels comfortable taking it I don't really have anything against that shot they just need to go in yeah and I also want to give a shout out to Oklahoma's McCollum he, he's a really good player you and I yeah. talked about him a bit um before we played them and it seems like he had a lot more than 15 points but right. just very effective and kind of kind of eased the bleeding when we showed signs of coming back and kind of chopping at the lead um it just seemed like he kind of just would shut us up pretty much on on defense so shout out to mccullum he 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 played a great game and that's obviously going to be a a focal point to any other big 12 team playing him he's going to be a a big time player in this league i think that 12 to 8 minute stretch in the second half was like a very crucial because like you said iowa state we would tie it they would, you know, maybe take a one point. Well, they honestly didn't lead very. I mean, I think they took the lead for a couple seconds in that game, but they were yeah. kind of getting right there, right to the tie. And then Oklahoma would make a really good play on the other end. And, and that can, that's just deflating as a fan, I'm sure, as a player um, to be that close. And then just to give up a tough shot, Oklahoma just, you know, the, the role goes the right way and, and they benefit. And now it's a four point game instead of a tie game. And, the span of 45 seconds. Right. Um, and, and the other thing, going into halftime, like you said, I was, you know, I felt pretty good only being down six, playing as bad as he did in the first half. And I thought either Keyshawn Gilbert needed to step up in the second half or Momchilovich. And I know Tamin Lipsy is our, our leading scorer, but he, he doesn't, he, he's not really a create his own shot kind of guy. And maybe, Mom, like we said, Momchilovich might not be there yet either. I think Keyshawn is about as close as we have to a true, like, create his own shot, go get a bucket. And when you're struggling to kind of run through things organically in your offense, you kind of just need a guy like that to say, you know, screw it, I'm going to take over. You just need someone to go full rogue, cowboy, just say, like, I got this shit, like, ISO, let me go get one. Um, There was was a portion of the second half where – he wasn't Gilbert wasn't even in the game, and I'm like, put Keyshawn in the game. And he then as soon, as soon as I said that, TJ put him in the game. So I was like, yeah. all right, he he's got to be our closer, I think, going forward. Yeah, and he was in foul trouble. I think he got his fourth foul with like ten minutes left, and it was a bad foul too. And that's another thing you just you can't. It was like a blocking foul at the you know twenty five feet away from the basket, and that's just a foul. And I didn't love the call; it was kind of ticky tacky. But you just can't. If you have three fouls, you can't do that. Yeah, especially on the road. I think Lipsy and Gilbert were on the bench for like a stretch there, and that's when Oklahoma kind of kept it at at arm's distance. And and I'm big on that too. Is like I think if we had a big three, who would it be? You think it's you think it's Taman, Keyshawn, and Rob? Because here's my thing: regardless of who your big three is, 
I think one of those guys has to be on the floor at all times. And I think yeah. the one thing we have to do to not shoot us in the foot is have Taman and Gilbert in the same situation when it comes to foul trouble. I think one of those guys has to be on the floor at all times. Yeah, I think for sure, like Taman and Keyshawn, at least one of those guys needs to be out there as much as possible. And then I, I really think, and this is a bonus to Iowa State's roster, like the front court is pretty interchangeable. I think a lot of mm-hmm. that is matchups. We saw Demarion Watson get a lot of run against Oklahoma, and I think that was just to kind of combat the length and athleticism of Oklahoma. We didn't see him a lot or as much in non-conference because I just don't think we needed to turn to a guy like Watson. And he's always going to bring it on defense. I think that's yeah. another time where you'll see Otts put Watson is. If we're lacking defense, um, lost some war. Intensity. Yeah. Um, Watson Watson's going to be put in that game because he brings it. And sometimes sure. you just need a guy to set the tone off the bench. Yeah, no, he, he's been great in his spurts that he has played. I'm telling you, he, I think he's a corner three. I'll yeah. keep saying it. Corner three away from just being like that complete player for us. I think as long if he can just be a consistent, like catch and shoot, we move the ball around four or five times and he's a wide open in the corner can knock those down consistently. I think he's going to play a lot more and I think he's going to do a lot of things for us. But um, yeah, no, it's he, I, I'm excited to see where his pedigree is. Uh, I guess his play is going to um, excel from here. The uh, there is a sequence. It was a high point of my game and probably for you too. Hassan Ward misses the free throw, gets his own rebound and just baptizes that young man. Mercy. I mean, that was, that was one of the better dunks. Like it's very, that's like kind of a a made up dunk. You seriously see that once, I don't know, every few months in basketball where a guy misses his free throw and has the athleticism to go dunk that, that was nuts. And I, like I almost turned away from the screen because at that point, you know, Oklahoma's going to get the rebound. He missed the free throw, whatever. Man, that, that was yeah. a man on a mission. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a dunk that electric since – well, I, again, I didn't see this, but I've seen the highlight a bunch. But um, one time, Scottie Pippen's at the free throw line, shoots a free throw, and out of nowhere, I don't know if Michael Jordan jumped over him, but I just see him coming. Like, as he's let going, letting go of the ball, I just see Michael Jordan coming out and just – Cocking one back, pause. But <laughs> it, that I've it gave me those f- type of flashbacks. I've I've I don't know about you. I I don't know if you've seen one before, but I have not seen someone shoot their own free throw and go grab it and slam it back. I, I've I've seen a lot of like Wemby Nyana pump fake, toss it up, right. and then you go get your own rebound. But I've never seen f- your the old, the the free throw shooter get his own miss. It seemed effortless. <laughs> Speaking of Wemby, he did this in France, so take it with a grain of salt, but he shot a three-point shot, hit like back of the rim, went like six feet up in the air. From the three-point line, he put back – he didn't jump from the three-point line, but he like took two steps in and then put back his own three-point shot. And that's, that's one the, of the craziest – that should not be humanly possible. Yeah, he's he's a freak. But so is Hassan Ward, you know? Yeah. And if he can continue to play like that on a bum foot, bum ankle – Right. Just imagine if he was 100% healthy. Like, had that ankle injury never happened? Oh, my God. It'd be it'd be scary. Um, The other thing that I – like, I kind of I looked at the box score after the game. Hassan Ward, Rob Jones, and Mamchilovic all finished with 12 points. And then our backcourt, which has been phenomenal thus far, combined for 4 for 15 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3, and had four combined turnovers. 
Um, and both guys fouled out. They both fouled out kind of in garbage time. But um, that that's just – it's not – that's not going to happen. And some of that is – to Oklahoma's credit, forcing you know both those guys to have bad games. But if we're gonna if we're gonna be a, a good Big Twelve team, you were talking about a Big Three. I think those who are easily our Big Two, mm-hmm. um, and they're just gonna have to play better. They're gonna have to be more aggressive um, in order for Iowa State to win games. Yeah, I think playing with poise is gonna be a huge uh, yeah. just mental note for those two because. The early fouls are just you kind of being an eager beaver. And when it comes to Taman's still young at the end of the day, no matter how mature his game is, um, Gilbert also doesn't have that much Big 12 experience. You know, he's coming from UNLV, which the conference play is solid, but it's nothing nothing right. like this. So I think it's just a matter of, all right, let's get a gauge for it. What do we learn? How are we going to improve? And you got to go from that. Nigel, we were kind of talking about the stagnant offense and Iowa State fans for the last three years have seen similar sets offensively. One thing that has kind of gotten my attention lately, they'll do a lot of pick and rolls at the top of the key, but they don't really let them develop. And sometimes it's bad timing on the screen. You know, the the screener doesn't get up there soon enough and by then the guard's kind of already moving and and isn't able to utilize that kind of rub Mm -hmm. um, like they they usually would. Is, is that that can't be by so like I mean you got to let the roller roll or or it's yeah. not a pick and roll I mean it's in the name what what's kind of the point of even setting picks if we're not going to see him through I guess is my question yeah no I, I agree because I think the biggest thing in a pick and roll is you have to the you have to, so if, say Hassan setting a high ball screen you have to let Hassan like screen a body right and then after screening by I I've realized this this is what opens up that pocket even more then it already is open if you just screen a body. But it's the way you have to let the five seal that guy that he's screening. Because once you screen him, you then have to kind of spin your body off of him to then gain that momentum to go straight to the basket. And that opens up a huge pocket for the guard to get that ball to you. So I think it comes with kind of just being patient. Monte Morris is really good at this, obviously, too. But just being patient and letting the five-man seal that guy actually – because I feel like sometimes because of, say, Oklahoma is going to blitz a screen or something, it's hard to kind of just gain momentum to the basket while also trying to make sure he's sealing the guy. So I, it, it comes down to making the right reads, but I think it's a it's a give and take, and like the one and the five or the two and the five, they all have to be on the same page before that screen is actually like, all right, let's go to the basket. No, let's screen the body. Let's seal the body. Then let's go to the basket. It's like a, it's a, it's like a tango, and I think sometimes, you know, people people miss steps, and, and it's that's that's normal. But I think it just comes with playing together. I think that's all, you know. It's going to take time to to get that rhythm down. And I think patience is a really good word there. And then at times too, I think our spacing was kind of thrown off, as to where you know guys would be coming up to the top of the key to set a screen, and they're running into a teammate of theirs. And there's other times it'd be like on a fast break, we'd have three guys on the same half of the court. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of mental mistakes of where, you know, Oklahoma's defense isn't forcing you to do those kinds of things. And it, it kind of felt like, you know, the first conference game of the season. There's yeah. just some easy things to clean up. Um, and those things being prevented can lead to six, ex- eight extra points in a game. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. On, on the break, when Hassan's in the game, because he's so interchangeable, whether 
especially when he's at the five, you got three people on, on one side of the court. That's fine in transition. Just make sure the person closest to the baseline is eventually going to fill in on the other right. side. So then you have a balanced court. And then, or if not, you want to overload one side, you can hit this guy, set him a screen, and it's a two-man game. You don't have necessarily have to be a big to screen somebody. You know, if everyone gets really good at screening, it's kind of the Golden State Warrior rule. You're gonna get open shots. It, right. You just got to be able to screen like almost unselfishly to get open to get those open shots. So I think it's all about you know getting used to each other. I think when you're playing these respectfully not the best teams in, in the in the country to then we oh we got to play the best teams in the country right. i think it you don't have the best gauge of where your team chemistry is off the off the rip you know and i think games like this is where you guys are really going to come together you know and and get get tight knit and, and know each other's tendencies like the back of your hand yeah and i think another thing like our our defense is going to keep us in games like we saw it in the first half you know, if our defense isn't a top five defense in the country, I think Oklahoma's probably up 15 points at halftime. So Iowa State's going to, and they've done it the whole time Ots has been here. They're going to stick around until the very end, and then there's going to be some key plays down the stretch in the second half that decide if they win or lose a game. And, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this is a team that will get better as the season goes on. Um, Big 12 season, I should say, we're, what, 11 and three. So, I mean, we're not struggling record wise, but um, yeah, there's just some easy things to clean up. And I think they'll work on that in weeks to come. I'm not too worried about what I saw. Open shots will go in just mathematically. Um, So, yeah, I I don't think that there wasn't any, you know, big blaring issues that I saw in this game that gave me any real worry going forward. Yeah, I mean, knowing us, we, we tend to the shots we missed against Oklahoma. We'll probably make a bunch of them against Houston. That's right. just that's the Iowa State way. The yeah. teams you got no business playing well against, we play lights out. So I don't know what I don't know what they drink before breakfast, but it's working. Yeah. Without anything, do you got anything left on the Oklahoma game before we turn our attention to Houston? Nah, it's 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 kind of water under the bridge at this point. I kind of yeah. got everything off my chest. Yeah. Uh, Houston, so we're recording this January 8th. Houston plays tomorrow, so if you're listening to this post-Houston game, uh, feel free to skip ahead. Um, some of this will be a little outdated if you're listening to this at the end of the week. We'll recap Houston next week. So if you're looking for Houston reaction, uh, you'll have to wait till, till next Monday. Um, man, Houston beat the brakes off of West Virginia uh, West Virginia going through kind of a tumultuous season. I don't think they're expected to do great in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Houston led by more than 20 points the entire second half. Woof. Um, man, Houston, if you look at their Ken Palm, their defense might be one of the better defenses that Ken Palm has ever recorded thus far. I mean, they're first in two-point defense. They're one of the best uh, turnover ratio teams in the country. And that's kind of what Kelvin Sampson has just built his identity on while he's at Houston. Uh, I, I, they're ranked third. I, I haven't seen the AP poll. Maybe it's out. I, I don't think they'll, you know, jump over Houston or Kansas or Purdue. So I think they'll be ranked third come tomorrow. I think they're the best team in the country. I thought they were the best team in the country last year. Really? Um, I really, I really do. I, I think they are just a buzzsaw and, like analytically, it's been clear for maybe the last three years that they've been the best team in the country. 
I I I don't know. I I look at Purdue and they scare me. I Houston, they've they been scared me man. forever. Purdue should it, scare nobody. No, Purdue is like you know the 2015 Wisconsin team with Kaminsky and Decker. Yeah, it's like that team on steroids. If they all just were taking human growth hormone, I they all just look a little bigger. And like I'm like, yo, what are they? What what's in the corn in Indiana? Because uh, I want some of it. But Zach Eady's just tall. That and that team, it's not just Zach Eady. I'm talking about their wings. Like they're all they all like tight ends. I'm like, bro, who who where they find these kids? And they all got. They can all shoot the three. You got guys who, when ZD's and Zach Eady's in foul trouble, you got guys playing down low that are pretty efficient. You know, so they just seem like a more balanced team this year. They also got Lance Jones as their their two guard from Southern Illinois. So they they got some dudes. I, I don't know. I don't know about the Houston best in the country. Top three, yes, but I don't know about number one. Let me. So I'm looking at their Ken Palm sheet right now. Number one in overall defense. Number one in defensive effective field goal percentage. Number one in turnover percentage on defense. Number four in three point defense. Number two in two point defense. Um, this is kind of random, but teams shoot terribly from the free throw line against them. Number one in block percentage. Number one in steal percentage. That is almost every defensive statistical category, and they're number one in seven of them. Look, are so, they the best defensive team? Probably, but overall, I'm gonna go. I'm rocking right, right now. Okay, I'm rocking with Purdue. Okay, but that's fine. Here's my question: I, I think Iowa State is at their best when they don't play teams like them. So if you're playing, I think unfortunately Houston is like a souped-up Iowa State. It's like yeah. that defense is nasty business. The offense is, I, I would. Yeah, they're better than Iowa State. They're known for their defense, and, and so is Iowa State. It is kind of two similar teams in terms of what they want to do. They want to out-physical you. They want to turn you over, um, and they want to play in the fast break. Do you, do you think playing at home makes a difference? Do you think you know Houston playing a similar style can help Iowa State? Um, I don't know if home or away makes a difference. I don't yeah. like playing there, I'll tell you that. Right. Um. Because it's like my my confidence kind of lessens when it is an away game. But I think just, you know, I think it's going to have to be a rock fight to even be remotely close. Like, yeah. and maybe Oklahoma is a good tune-up game for that, even though it's not a win. It's still just like, okay, we're on the road. Like, we're not, this isn't, it's not going to get easier. We might as well, you know, muck this game up. So I think... Even if a team is numbers wise better than you defensively, I think Houston probably had a better schedule too, so they could showcase that that we're the best defense in the country type of stuff. And I think you know it. it I'm definitely not as confident as I would like to be going into a game like Houston, but I think if we muck it up, if we you know stay out of foul trouble, I think I think we'll be able to. We'll be right there where the game is up for the taking. It's just going to come down to execution on offense. Uh, one thing I will say about Houston, they surprisingly have their star players to transfer. LJ Cryer, who played at Baylor, should be familiar with him. He's averaging 17 points. I would guess he's right now the favorite maybe to win Big 12 Player of the Year, maybe Hunter Dickinson in that conversation yeah. too. Um but a lot of these guys are from high school to Houston. And I think in a way that can help Iowa state in terms of 
you know, before this year, Houston was playing at the American Athletic Conference, which has some fine home atmospheres. Memphis has a pretty good home court, but not really the same as, you know, it, it's Kansas and then it's Iowa State and then you're at Baylor and then you're at Kansas. I mean, like a lot of these crowds can really change a game by five to six points. Yeah. And, you know, they've made late, like, They've gone deep into the postseason and they've played in Final Fours and Elite Eight games. And those are obviously huge atmospheres as well. But I think, and it kind of sucks where this game is. I think if if we're playing this game in mid-February and Houston's already played at a bunch of tough home arenas and now they have to come to Hilton, that's a daunting task. I just think Houston is so wired in right now as a team. I mean, this this they're the only undefeated team left in the country. Um, their closest game was to Texas A&M, who Iowa State lost to. They beat A&M 6 on a neutral site. I don't know. There's not a lot of room for like, oh, I think Iowa State can take advantage of this or expose that. They're just so good up and down analytically. I don't really see a weakness. And that's how I've looked at them for the last two years. Yeah, and I think Houston, too, is at this point where it's like they've been through enough crap like of just like not getting over the hump that we may be running into the best version of Houston and that's okay. So how are we going to weather that storm? I think you got to, they're going to throw their rocks at us. We got to throw some rocks back. It's going to be a rock fight. Like that's the only way I see ourselves. I see Iowa state in this game at all. Cause without that, without that dog fight mentality, like it's going to be over fast. And I just I need either Gilbert or Taman in a game like that to always be in the game. Like there is no ifs, ands, or buts. And again, Watson showing his showing glimpses in Oklahoma. If he can continue to do that for a game like Houston, we're going to need it. So a guy like that's got to be ready. Um I, I did want to ask you this, but you know, a game like this where you got a lot of athletic people showing showcasing a lot of defensive strengths what's the deal with omaha is this a game where we can put him in and this is gonna be you know the coming out party per se for him what do you think a a player like him can can he help iowa state in a game like this in an environment like this too i think yeah like you said similar to demarion watson i think games that are suited well for demarion watson are going to be suited well for omaha And if you can bring that defensive intensity, you're going to get minutes. So if that's what it comes down to, if you're trying to get more minutes, play your ass off on defense and rebound the ball, and you're going to find minutes to play for an Otzelberger basketball team. Um, But, I mean, I don't know if I love throwing him, like, into the literal fire that is the Houston Cougar basketball team. Um, Because, again, like a lot of Big 12 teams, and, again, Houston is kind of the creme de la creme of what the Big 12 is. But, like, a lot of Big 12 is just, like, you know, versatile wings, wingspan, athleticism, physicality, strength. I think that's catered really well to Omaha. And it, it even, you know, a lot of these guys, too, are 23. I think Omaha, when he's 23 years old, is going to be, you know, even crazier athletically and physically than he is now. So I I get it. I, I don't know if this is a game for him. I think Demarion Watson, again, could see a lot of run, like you said. I, like, he's just been in this moment before. He's played against Kansas. He's played against Baylor. He's played against Texas. So I think I'd, I'd feel more comfortable throwing Watson in than Omaha. But, yeah, I, like, it makes sense. But also just, like, it's weird. Like, he's not playing at all. No. And it's like, 
it's kind of elephant in the room at this point. What, right. What's wrong? Like, right. what is he doing wrong? I, I, I don't want to assume he's doing something wrong, but, you know, if the answer from TJ is still, you know, he's still not ready, when will he be? Because it's just I've never seen this situation where you got a five-star kid coming in and he's showing little to no impact, you know, in into the beginning of January. It, it, I'm worried. I'm worried. Yeah. I don't know about you. but And, like, I think the early theory was, you know, he's months behind. He was playing for Team USA. He didn't make it to, you know, he, he wasn't in the gym the same amount as these other guys were preseason. But it's January. Like, I mean, he's had – five six months on campus now yeah and i get the other guys have still had nine or ten months but he's never going to fully catch up i mean he's not going to get those three months back so at some point you just kind of got to be like it's now or never it's, it's that's what i'm saying win. like you might as well throw him in the fire yeah like yeah. i i it's i think coaching sometimes there has to be some spontaneous nature to you and i think when it comes to a situation like that where the kid has that potential you know you've seen it we've all seen it I think this might be a game that is up to his speed because I can you be Omaha Blue against the Wisconsin Green Bay to full capacity with all these other egos and guys on the team that do things too? Probably not. But someone who a team that is already going to play your play style that you're used to that kind of AAU up and down in your face type of ordeal. I, I don't. I think this seems like an Omaha game. So if, I mean, if you're going to try it, now's the time. In and my like odds kind of went rogue in the Big 12 tournament. Like, he was playing Conrad Holly. He was playing, like, whoever. he Eli King was getting minutes. And it was Omaha. working. It right. was working. That's what I'm saying. Like, guys don't have a scouting report on him now. Maybe now's the time. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, we've seen him do crazier things. I, I don't think it's out of the question completely. Yeah. Um, I'm just nervous. I, I, yeah. I don't want to see a kid like that enter the portal just because right. uh, we weren't playing him. Um. So, yeah, I, I hope at some point he just gets his opportunity. Another thing to keep an eye on, just as Iowa State fans, maybe even if you have plans going to the game, the weather. It, it was report. It's a sellout game, but we've seen this happen before uh, for the Cyclones, where it's a sold-out game, huge blizzard, and then maybe you're only getting like eighty percent, seventy-five percent capacity. That would suck. You have this, you know, Houston's first time ever playing in Hilton, a top-five team. Um, I, I really hope the weather misses Ames. Just let it happen. Just let everyone get there safely. I want to see a full arena. I want to have Houston in the thick of it. I want them to get the full experience. I think this is a game where you really need the crowd behind the team if we're going to keep it keep it close or even win. Wait, this game is in Hilton? Yeah. I thought this was a way. I thought they were staying on the road. I thought they were going from Oklahoma nah. to Houston. No, nah, it's back oh. in Hilton. Well, that kind of changed my answer from earlier. I, I, I kind of said it thinking that they were going to be – because geographically it made sense. Like, don't travel back to Iowa but if you're going to go. Do you really think a rock fight, though, do you think it matters if you're playing at home or away? Like, a rock fight's a rock fight at some point. Like, we've seen it, yeah, I think play West Virginia, and it looks the same. It's just as ugly no matter where it's played. Yeah, I think, I think it's probably the same answer from that perspective. But right. just – I think Blizzard or not, Hilton – if, if we need to, we'll sleep there, all right? Yeah. You got to have that mentality, too. Like, Because what we lack in students right now, because not everyone is back from break, you know, you want to get that in, you know, the no offense, but the older people, the people out of out of, uh, out of college, you know? I, you, we can still, you know, pack the arena 
in that sense. And, and those people are just as loud, you know, the, the everyday fans. And, and I think if you're able to, I guess, find some advantage, if you can, like we have done in the past, single out a player, find something out about him, find out his middle name, find out his mom's name or something, use it, you know, you know, as much as a, as much as a basketball team is going to do their scout report as fans, we have to do our scout reports, you know, get personal, you know, get in these Call people's head. fair and love and war in student sections. I, oh, yeah. I think that's, that's everything is fair game. Yeah. I've heard terrible things. Yep. And I didn't hate it. You know, yep. I was okay with it. <laughs> that, that's, but, that's just what it is. You know? Yeah. It's life. What are you gonna do? Uh, so I, again, I think Houston, I think we might be catching them at a bad time. I think Houston will drop games on the road in the big 12. I think every team does. Kansas does. Um, I just don't know if it's this one. I think it's a little too early. I think Houston's a little too dialed in. I, I do. Since we're talking about the top teams in the country and, you know, we're coming off a huge big 12 slate from Saturday. I cannot not acknowledge the fact that Kansas got absolutely bailed out once again oh in God. Allen Fieldhouse. TCU, I'm sorry. Justice. You guys got robbed. You guys got robbed in front of millions of people, and no one did anything about it. No one called the police. Nobody arrested Bill Self. They just gave him the W, and I was sick to my stomach. I had to get up and walk away. Samuel Jackson, I, I should have pulled up the tweet. He said Hunter Dickinson flops like something, and I can't. I don't want to misquote him. But if, if you're getting the attention of Samuel L. Jackson. Mind you, Samuel Jackson's an actor. If an actor's saying you're acting, you're acting. Yeah. He knows right? acting. <laughs> he knows this guy acting. Was in Pulp Fiction. He knows acting. For those not aware of what crime was committed at Fog Allen, as it has many times before. And this is what sucked. There were people on Twitter like 10 minutes before it happened predicting this would happen. That's just yeah. how like blatant it is. So what had happened was uh like loose ball, two guys going up for a rebound. TCU got the rebound, and he's turning to pass it and just clips Dickinson in the face. You would have thought Dickinson had been – shot. Yeah, had been had been just someone from Gun the upper down. deck had got him. <laughs> Gun down Falls to the ground. You would have thought his jaw had just broken. Yeah. And TCU's pushing the pace because they got five on four. Mm-hmm. And they call the play dead, and immediately both commentators are like you can't play the call dead until it's finished. That's what I'm saying. Like they didn't let it finish. No. Like I, you don't even know if you're gonna make it yet. You just you just try to, like, bro. Just what were you gonna say? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're. I'm just as upset about this. And <laughs> then so they call the play dead. They look to see if it's flagrant. In real time, I was like, he's flopping. And that's not a flagrant foul. And then as soon as they blew it dead, I was like, they're calling this a flagrant foul. So essentially, TCU had a chance to go up two or three points. Play gets called dead. Dickinson, now miraculously fine, uh, goes and makes two free throws. And Kansas gets the ball back, and they take the lead. So it's like a six-point swing from a call that should have never happened. Yeah. And here's my problem with Kansas is – you know, people constantly give them the benefit of the doubt when in, when playing in Allen Fieldhouse. They always get that whistle. We saw it a few years ago with Caleb's Grill. He hits that three. Uh, allegedly, his foot's on the line. It wasn't, yeah. but you know that's a conversation for another day. But that's just that's just one example of how they're constantly getting bailed out, and that call is a game shifting decision right. being made by the officiating crew. And 
it does them no good to give them petty wins like that because they're going to get in the tournament and blow it against Arkansas. Like, they're you're babying them, and then they're not going to be ready for the big moment when you all of a sudden decide to swallow your whistle. So, you want like if if the refs really want Kansas, they want what's best for Kansas. Call the game straight up because at the end of the day, you're only doing them a disservice. You know, patting their butt and saying, "Oh, it's going to be okay. We'll, we'll help you." Like, grow up, God! I'm so sick of them. I, I, and then on I top of that, the the go-ahead bucket, you could you could convince me that Dickinson, A, pushed off and then B, traveled before he hit that go-ahead yeah. bucket with two seconds left. So it just keeps on coming. I, I feel sick for TCU fans. They were robbed in broad daylight. It was terrible. Yeah, and you'd think, you know, those are Jesus-loving people. You'd think they would get the benefit of the doubt. Nope. Yeah. Nope. It's, it's sad. But since we're on given, I want to shift from one Texas school to another. Texas Tech. First of all, shout out to y'all for beating Texas. Yeah. Because Texas win- when Texas loses, the world wins. All right. Correct. So I- I'm never gonna clown them for that. What I am gonna clown them for is Pop Isaacs coming up in the news beforehand. Before, mind you, he dropped 20 in this this Texas win, but comes up in the in the news in the the most not positive uh headline. Obviously, he's it's a civil lawsuit, you said? Yeah, civil lawsuit. Yeah, he's in a civil lawsuit, allegedly, you know, assaulted a minor. Uh, but apparently the Bahamas, it's different rules, you know, bada bing, bada boom. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Um, I didn't want to just, like, make an observation about Texas Tech. Why is it every year, whether they're a, a post-Texas Tech alum, uh, a previous coach or whatnot, you know, they're always just finding a way to do some weirdo activity like from the Chris Beard situation to Mark Adams getting with his God rest his soul, his twin brother's widow. Like that's nuts. I, and then you got, man, could you imagine being the PR guy for this team? Tough sled dudes working overtime every day. No holidays. Just, Every time there's, there's something new with Texas Tech, and it's like I just wish they would just relax and play basketball. Since they've made the national championship, they've been on a terrible run of just that's, like PR scandals. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like they made the championship and the wheels immediately fell off. Like they, they, they made it. a deal to make the championship at what cost? Like as soon as that happened, it like went off the rails. Now here's a real question. Did Texas Tech join the Illuminati? Is this a humiliation tactic? Something to think about for all my conspiracy fellow out there. Also, right hand up, Jarrett Culver. I thought he was going to be an all-star in the NBA. Haven't heard of him since. Haven't seen the guy. Haven't. No idea where he's at, truly. He he was drafted by the T-Wolves. He was like a top five pick. I was like, this guy is going to be an NBA shooting guard for years to come. He's the next Jimmy Butler. Gone forever. No idea where that guy's at. Don't even know what he's doing right now. It's, it's nope. sad. It's sad. But uh on the just on the really burning some bridges in the Big 12, but we got one last team to kind of go after. And it's the Baylor Bears, who just opened their new arena. The Foster's Pavilion can house a large high school. Uh, I think it's like 8,000 people, which is kind of lame, but whatever. Uh, they're camera angled, Nigel. So in today's age, 
What are we doing? How is your camera angle not like your number one concern? Way more people are going to be watching your games from their couch than in this beautiful new arena. And I'm about to get vertigo. And can you play the clip here? It looks even worse. Like I am, I'm about to topple over in my chair as I'm, I'm like, is this from the ceiling? Is there just a GoPro to the top of the ceiling looking down at this? It is bad. That's one of the worst camera angles I've ever seen. How can like Syracuse figure it out in a football stadium and Baylor couldn't plan it in a brand new state-of-the-art arena? Yeah, that's very high. I, I don't even think like because Cameron Indoor is real up. Yeah. And like narrow. I don't even think they're that high. Like they they've they've managed to get an angle where it's like you don't feel like you're looking down at it like a bird, you know? That's that is bad. That's terrible. And we're gonna have to watch games like that anytime we play at Baylor. Yeah. I hope is Baylor one of those teams where we're playing them once this year or is it twice? Um at Baylor. Yeah, we just play at Baylor. They never come to Hilton. Oh, so we'll be getting that camera angle soon. Yeah, so February third. Be, beware, Cyclone Nation. Beware. ESPN two. Aiden, if you can pull this up, because I sent it to you. I sent it to both of you, but Purdue yesterday. No, no, it was oh. Saturday. They were in a timeout. They come out. They're about to inbound the ball, and it looks like what Purdue is doing is this Android juicy wiggle. It's all right, bad. this 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 subpar juicy wiggle. And what bothered me, and everyone on, on the internet loved it. They're like, oh, this video right. is so, it's so hard. It's so cool. It's like, buddy, we do that in our sleep. We, yeah. I wake up in Juicy Wiggle, all right? And, you know, they were doing it. It was the whole Juicy Wiggle, but there was no woo. Yeah. And it's, if you don't have the woo, what is it? What are you doing? You're just, everyone's just punching the air. And, and I think it was to like, it was like to Sandstorm, which is like a techno, like song yeah, from 2005. Like, what are we doing here? It's just like a it's like after they do the whole thing, it's just like a weak little shimmy. <laughs> yeah, they just do like an awkward clap and then start over. And no one looks like they're actually like they're they're looks like they're trying to be Iowa State. And when the yeah. number one team in the country is trying to be you, that's a compliment. You know? To be fair, I, I will put on the record, I have no idea. So I was at like I was in school when the juicy wiggle tradition started, and that dance did not like the dance didn't start when the song started. The dance came on maybe a year later. Yeah. Like it used to be like they would just hit Juicy Wiggle and people would just freestyle and just like go crazy and just like move around like a fish. Yeah. And then at some point the dance was added. So it, it very well could be that we did steal that dance from someone. But it's way cooler to Juicy Wiggle than this or whatever the hell Purdue is doing. But if we stole it, how are we already doing it better? You yeah, know? that's the thing. Did like, we really seal it if we look cooler when we do? Yeah, that's like, come on now. It's yeah. I don't know. I just I was like, this is this is weak, bro. This is weak. Yeah. Uh, just another Big Twelve thing to keep an eye on. BYU again. Like I was kind of, they've been the darling of the Big Twelve. Lost at home to Cincinnati by eleven. Keep your head on a swivel in this conference. There's just nothing is guaranteed. You'd you think Kenyon Martin's back on Cincinnati yeah. the way they lost. <laughs> we we were told that Cincinnati wasn't supposed to be anything. They just waltz into Provo, Utah. They say she win by double digits. So <laughs> what could yeah. go wrong? Even the nope. bottom feeders are just beating up on the big guys. I think the only gimme game, I think I truly think West Virginia could go winless this year. Yeah. I think that is the only like underhand pitch game you're gonna get all conference season is, is right. West Virginia. And Again, that's that's an uncharacteristic year for them. I think 
once they get their feet under them and I know they're they're under a, a coaching change and whatnot. Right. I think once all that kind of weathers down, I think they're gonna be a team that you cannot sleep on either. So yeah. just man, it's it's it's, it's gonna be a long two months. It's, it's gonna be tough, long two man. months. It's uh I'm I'm looking forward to it. I want to be excited for it, but it's like it's it's hard to get hype when every team is like, oh God. Like, you know? Yeah. You just you, you want to have those those games where it's like we should play well. But then knowing Iowa State, it's like you get an okay state that's underwhelming and then you lose at home. So again, right. It's the Big Twelve is it's madness. And I guess it's best to be in madness before March madness. So then you're re- you're used to the madness. So. Yeah, this could definitely be a year where, like, a lot of in the Big 12 tournament, you could have a lower seed than what you'll have in March Madness. Like, Iowa State could be, like, a, a seven seed in the Big 12 tournament and, like, a four seed in March Madness. Yeah, so, yeah no doubt. It's it's messed up. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Uh, like you said, yeah, coming off a, a close loss to Oklahoma, let's go home and, and you know, get back on track. Oh, who, who do we play? Oh, the number one defense in the country – third team in the you know great awesome yeah and, and guys guys know this that if you live in Ames walk to the game sure crusty crab pizza walk to the game okay yep just take the take the snow take it on like a true midwestern take it on with pride and you know show, show your cycling some love because they're gonna need it especially get on a, a Tuesday shoes, night get a toboggan get a sled yeah. I don't care what you have to do get to get to Hilton they need you. They need a you. thermostat with like chicken noodle soup at the bottom. Yeah. You know, yeah. A dog yeah. sled, whatever you got to do. Get some huskies. I don't even care how you get there. Just get there. Just, just who's going to carry the boats? Cyclone yep. fans. Yep. So let's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I like to see a good dog fight. I just, I want to, if I'm going to see a dog fight, I want to see us, you know, I want to see us come out on top. So right. we'll see. Could be a sicko game. I hope you have the under. Both of these defenses are legitness. So yeah. buckle up, take the under, and let it run. Legitness. That that was really telling of your age, but nonetheless. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. Also, right. happy belated birthday to Mr. Dylan Kuhn. It's uh it was Friday. Uh I kind of snuck up on me. I didn't I didn't know it was your birthday till the day of, but happy birthday, Appreciate buddy. Appreciate that. S- had had a great weekend. Would have liked to cap it off with a with an Iowa State win, but we keep it moving. I will yeah. say on my, I think it was my 20th birthday, Iowa State won at home against Kansas. And mm-hmm. I think that was like, that's truly the one of the best birthday presents I've ever gotten. So. Oh, wait, was that uh, 2019? That been 2019. Yes. Yeah. I remember watching that game. That was a great game. Yeah. And I didn't even have tickets because like it didn't count for my student tickets. And I wasn't, yeah. you know, dropping $200 as a college student to be there. But watched yeah. it. From my rental house in Ames, Iowa, had a blast. Halliburton had like 15 off the bench. I was like, mm. mm. That, was, that was a good game. That was yeah. a good Kansas team, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a good game on Tuesday. So we'll we'll definitely lock back in next week. Uh, I, how do you like this angle? I, I, feel, I feel like this is a better – I'm getting more, you know, shoulder room and – you know that you can see kind of my 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 shirt. I I, I don't know. I think I got two shoe boxes right now under my computer. Oh, so I think that's going to be the method. We're doing it. Yeah, I might have to test that out. I'm still I'm still getting used to the camera angle at home. I'll try to be in studio as much as I can because yeah, I'm, I'm pretty close. Shoe up box. Here. Okay, 
we'll, we'll keep that into consideration. <laughs> All that said, we appreciate you listening. We'll be back here next week to recap a couple of games. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.